2 Kings chapter 2 tonight. We're going to be beginning in verse 19. If you remember, we are seeing the last of Elijah. Elijah means the Lord is God. And we're being introduced to Elijah, which means God is salvation. These are the true prophets of God. They were prophets to the northern kingdom. If you remember, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings used to be one manuscript. It was one scroll in the uh, Jewish Bible. And it told us the history of all the kings from Saul to Zedekiah. And, and it gave us all that history. And now 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles will give us the history of just the kings of Judah. So we want to understand this because what happens is, is we generally say Israel, right? But when the kingdom split, 12 tribes, the Levites worked for God. They were married to God, just like the church's priests. You and I are believer priests. But the, when the church or when the kingdom split, the northern tribes, which was 10 and a half tribes, they, 10 and a half, 11 and a half, 10 and a half tribes, half the tribe of Benjamin went north. And the north became called Israel. So when you see Israel in most of these books, you're really talking about just the ten and a half tribes that split. And then Judah and half the tribe of Benjamin are the southern tribes, and they're called Judah. And see, these are important things to know when you're trying to study this, because the ten and a half northern tribes, they walked away from God a lot quicker than Judah did. But then Judah followed, the southern tribes followed the same example. When Rehoboam and Jeroboam got into it, Solomon's son, when the split happened, they put a golden calf. i got to remember this. It's Rehoboam, right? Rehoboam. Uh, Jeroboam was uh, the one that put the golden calf. He put one in Bethel, and he put one in Samaria because he was worried that the children of Israel would go down to Jerusalem and then go back to serving God. And this is what the devil does to us. The devil puts idols in places for us to worship them so that we can stop short of the glory of God and we're not worshiping him. There's all these golden calves in places, and we begin to worship them instead of coming boldly to the throne of grace and worshiping God. So I don't want to get too far out on that. But what I want you to see now, as we begin to see the northern kingdom's prophets, Elijah, now Elisha. You guys remember what happened last week? Remember, Elisha was following Elijah because he knew that Elijah was going to die that day. He was going to go be with the Lord. And actually, he didn't die, but it sounds like it in the text. And everywhere they went, they went to Bethel. And here comes the sons of the prophets out, and they go, do you know that your master is going to be taken from you today? And Elisha would say, hold your peace. And he stayed focused on who? The prophet, Elijah. Why? Because in the Old Testament, as Hebrew 1.1 tells us, in past times, in divers' manners, God spoke to us through the prophets. But in these last days, he speaks to us through his son, Jesus. Well, how does he speak to us? He takes the Holy Spirit and, and illuminates this word so that we see it. But he used to speak through the prophets. So when you see a prophet, 
He was the one with the word of God. He was the one telling you the very oracles of God. They didn't have these books all written down yet. And so he would tell you what God was saying. He would come to you. And then you had a choice to either obey God or disobey God. Well, now we're in the northern kingdoms, and they're all disobeying God, except for Elijah. Micaiah was another one we've seen. And, and now Elisha. Now, why is that important? Because Elisha says, i got to follow the word of God. No matter what these sons of the prophets are saying to me, be still, be at peace, shut up. You might put it in today's language. And he kept following the word of God that was coming from the prophet. And he knew that God was going to take his master that day. And, and, he, and then, so then he gets to Jericho. And they said, do you know the sons of the prophets come out? Do you know that uh, uh, you're, you're going to lose your master today? Be still. He tells them to be still. Now, listen, then they go on. They cross the Jordan. He hits the Jordan with his, with his outer cloak, Elijah does. And the water separates. But Elijah didn't do that. God did that. Man never does anything. God does it. If you see a miracle, and, and this is what I like to tell you, the book of James, it says, if anyone is sick among you, call for the elders. It's plural. So when you see Benny Hinn on TV, that's all fake. It says elders. So that nobody ever gets the, gets the credit for healing somebody except God. So when one person is praying over somebody for a healing, see, then they get the credit if they get healed. But you shouldn't be looking at that. You should be knowing that God's the only one that can heal. But he gives people the gift of healing to use if you keep giving glory. And I didn't mean to go there, but we're there. Now, listen to me. When Elijah did that, it was God spreading the water. And as soon as they get across, because he was obedient to the word of God, listen to me, you got to get this. When Elisha was obedient to follow the word of God, he was rewarded. He received a blessing. They get to the other side. Elijah says, ask of me what you want before I leave, and it'll be given to you. Because he was being obedient to the word of God. And he says, okay, then I can have a double portion of your spirit. And he goes, whoa, you asked a hard thing. But if you see me leave, it'll be granted. If you see me when I'm taken, translated. And Elijah becomes a type of the rapture of the church. Just like Enoch is a rapture of the church. And so Elisha sees it. Elisha catches his mantle. Elisha does the same work. These sons of the prophets are all watching. Remember, there's 50 witnesses just trying to catch you up to this. And as soon as Elijah's gone, what do the sons of the prophets say to Elisha? They said, look, the spirit is it the spirit that was on Elijah is on Elisha. And then what do they do? They make Elisha ashamed. They say to him, let us take these 50 men and send them out to find the body of Elijah. And he says, no, no, don't do that. You don't have to send anyone. But they kept saying it, so he became ashamed. And he said, okay, send them. And when they come back, they came back after three days. And verse 18 says, and when they came back to him, for he had stayed in Jericho. He wasn't out looking. He said to them, did I not say to you, do not go? Listen, Elisha is speaking the true word of God, right? Now listen to me clearly. Because see these sons of the prophets, that's their title. They're called sons of the prophets, but they're false prophets. 
See, they're up in Bethel in Samaria. They're up worshiping gold calves. Listen to me. Because they heard the word of God. Somebody told them. I don't know who told them that Elijah was leaving that day. And they heard it. But after he left, they didn't believe it. They wanted to go search and find out. And the word of God that now was on Elijah said, don't go. And they said, no, we need to go. Now why? Because they believed the physical. Because when, you, when, you, when your spirit's gone, you always bury the body. But see, Elijah was translated. But my point here to you is that you can hear the word of God. You can tell somebody else the word of God like these prophets did. Do you know they're gonna, that your master's going to leave today? They heard it. They told people, but they didn't fully believe it because their actions afterward didn't follow up with belief. If they knew he was taken, they knew there was nothing to look for. So why did they go to look for him? Elisha didn't. He said, I'm going to stay right here. I already know he's gone. He believed with faith, and his faith was proved out in the evidence of what he did. I just want you to know that there's a false system out there. I call it culturanity all the time. They hear the truth. They share the truth, but their faith is dead faith because they don't obey the truth when it actually happens. And that's why it's so important that we obey the truth. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you hear the truth of God, that faith is there. If you obey it, it'll grow your faith. If you ignore it, it doesn't grow your faith because you didn't believe it in your heart. And see, that's what happened with all the children of Israel. If you read the book of Hebrews, they hardened their heart when they heard truth. And they didn't mix the truth with faith. And they all fell dead in the wilderness. See, faith is believing God when he says what he's going to do. Elijah told them what was going to happen. They heard from God what was going to happen. And then after it happened, they didn't believe it. They went and searched for the body. What are you searching for? If you've received Christ, what are you still searching for? He's the greatest treasure there is. There's nothing else to search for except for him because you can't exhaust him. You can't get enough of him. He's already given all of himself, but there's so much more that our little minds, our little bodies, our little souls can't even exhaust, even though he's already given us all of him. And we're already seated in heavenly places. Why are we still searching in broken cisterns and broke down places? Why are we still looking in other places for something to satisfy our soul when Christ is it? And if you believe that, you'll stop looking for the dead body. You'll stop looking for the old person that you were. We all need to hear this because we try to hang on to ourselves. Pride makes us want to hang on to ourselves when, in fact, we need to surrender and die to self. We need to say, okay, if I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God, then the Spirit of God, God himself, God very God is the Spirit. The Spirit is God. Now, I know we say third person of the Trinity, but he's just as equally God as Jesus is God and just as equally God as the Father is God. He's God. Listen to me. And God put order in the universe. And he put order in the church. And he put order in his word. And if we're prudent, prudent, we'll foresee, foresee evil and hide ourselves in Christ. 
and in his order, in his government, in his work, that we would, since he has been given all power and authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth, we would go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that he commanded us, because lo, he is with us always, even to the end of the age. And when we baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's just an identification that they now want to follow Jesus and be led by the Spirit of God. It's, you're not saved by baptism. That would be a work. And we're not saved by any works that we do. Nor can you be saved by works unless you keep all the law perfectly. So here's these, these sons of the prophets, but they're false prophets. Because they don't really believe what they're saying. They're not really following what they hear. And faith comes by hearing only when you begin to obey it in your heart. It has to go from here, this little ear portal, into here and down to here. There's a, there's a space in between here. And you have to begin to let God have your heart and have a heart to walk circumspectly. Now, all of us need great help in this. And that's why the Spirit is here. That's why the Spirit is here. Because none of us can do it on our own. Our flesh would lead us somewhere else. That's why we have to die daily as Paul did. So this happens, and he said, didn't I not say to you, do not go? You didn't need to search for his body. It was taken in the fiery chariots of God. And then, since now they know that he is the prophet of God, look what happens in verse 19. And let's move on to this text. It's 219, 2 Kings then the men of the city said to Elisha, this is the city of Jericho where he stayed at, please notice the situation of this city is pleasant as my Lord sees. I mean, maybe they're going like this, going, look how beautiful this is. Pleasant means beautiful. Pleasant means that it's a great city. Let me see if I can find the word here. Pleasant means it's, uh, it's well, it's good. But the water is bad. And the ground is barren. You listening? You listening? The water is bad. Guess what that word is? It's not. N-A-U-G-H-T in the King James. But guess what that word is? It's the exact same word in our memory verse today. That said, the prudent foresee evil. It's the word for evil. The water is evil. It's the same exact word in the Hebrew. The water is evil, and the ground is barren. What does that mean? That is crazy. It's evil, bad, and the ground is barren. It doesn't bear any fruit. Why is that going on? Look at Joshua chapter 6. Do you remember this? See, Jericho is the very first city that was conquered when Joshua led the armies of God across the Jordan into the promised land. Promise. Put a D on the end. And remember what they had to do? This is war for you with God. This is war. God tells Joshua to get the seven priests with seven horns and march around the city for seven days. Huge walls. Nobody can get in. Fortified. And every day walk around for six days one time and then go back to camp. 
on the seventh day, march around the city seven times, and then blow the horns, the shofar, and then all the people were supposed to shout. You guys ever heard that before? You ever heard any commander ever do that before? See, Joshua is Yeshua. It's Jesus in the Hebrew. He said, go around, just shout. See, this is another lesson in faith. I mean, when you're in war, you want to conquer something. You want to fight something. You want to hit something. But he says, just obey me. March around the city. And on the seventh day, march around seven times. And then tell the priest to blow the shofar. And when they blow it, all the people shout and the walls will fall. Isn't that pretty amazing? And it did. It happened. They won the whole battle. They killed everybody except for who? Rahab the harlot. And she becomes David's grandma, the first, the first, uh, the king after God's, second king after God's own heart. She becomes, Rahab becomes David's grandma, bloodline of Jesus, tribe of Judah, amazing story. But she accepted the messengers who came and she let them sneak away without being killed. Uh, but this is the first city. It's the first victory. Everything about your life, you want to believe God by faith that he will do it. You don't have to fight. All you have to do is stand still and obey God. See the salvation of the Lord. Why is that important? Well, look at 626 of Joshua. What does he say in 626? Is that what I said? Did I say 626? Then Joshua charged them at that time saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest, he shall set up its gates. Why is that important? Remember, we're dealing with Ahab and Jezebel. Go to 1 Kings 16. A couple pages back from our text. Listen, you got to learn your Bible. you got to learn sword drills. I'll take my time here. But this is the time when Ahab and Jezebel are leading. Well, who is that? Well, Jezebel was from the, the, the uh, Phoenician region where Tyre was. Her dad was the king or the priest for Baal. Baal, Beelzebub, the lord of death, the lord of the flies, the devil. And Ahab married Jezebel, and he just built a temple for Baal. And then what happened, Greg? Well, look at 1633. Ahab, this is 1 Kings, Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. And then look at 34. When evil is going on, in his days, Heel of Bethel built Jericho. He rebuilt this evil city. He laid its foundation with Abram, his firstborn, See, he didn't care. He didn't care about the curse of God. He didn't care about the authority of God. He didn't care about his children because he knew that he was going to rebuild that city. He had to give his firstborn. And with his youngest son, Segub, he set the gates according to the word of God. You see this? He rebuilt it. You know why? Because when evil people, wicked people rule, everybody feels like being wicked. You see it in any country that you live in? When there's an evil administration that's killing babies and killing old people, then wickedness just rises up. They just come out of the darkness and they want to promote everything. 
men in women's locker rooms and men can be women. Listen, sin will abound in a nation that has a wicked, evil king or wicked, evil rulers. So why is this city, wait a minute, we're in 2 we're in Kings, right? Chapter yeah. 2? Chapter 2. So why is this city so beautiful, but the water is bad and the ground is barren? Because of the curse of God that's still on it. See, the city's been rebuilt. It's a beautiful land, even in its sinful nature. It's pleasant, but the water's bad, evil, and the ground has no fruit. Because of God's curse. But what happens? The word of God comes and takes away the curse. Yeah, you got a question? Well, yeah, it says... Uh, Where you at first? Second uh, Kings 1. We ain't there yet. Okay, okay. We're still in 19. Okay, You're fine. You're fine. We'll get there. You can have a question then. But notice this. The water is bad. Water is always the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, water represents the Holy Spirit. You know, in, 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 in Ephesians, where we were at earlier, uh, if I would have kept going, it says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water through the word. The Holy Spirit takes the word of God and washes your soul. The word is Jesus. John 1 1 says in the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word was God and in 114 it says the word come to earth and took flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth listen the Holy Spirit is the water why is the water bad because it doesn't obey God it's been cursed by God because we're born under a curse with bad water and when you have bad water you can't grow anything so the ground is going to be barren it's the curse that was put upon Jericho when they defeated that city but now the word of God comes and is going to heal that the same thing God says in his word that he sent his word to heal our land and it's to heal us too we were born under a curse we're sinners but when we receive the word of God and believe the word of God, now we can bear fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But first we must become new. Right? He gives us a new heart. He makes us the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its savor or flavor, what's it good for but to be tossed out? You know, they used to pay people's wages with salt. That's why they said, you're not worth your salt in anything. They used to pay soldiers with salt because you needed salt. They didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have ice boxes. So they would, they used salt to preserve meat, to spice meat, and, and, and also to purify things. And they would toss it out. When it lost it, when it was no good for nothing, they would throw it out on the path and it would kill the weeds. That's what they would do with it last. I just had this parking lot salted a while ago. What do we do at home? We have salt in our water softeners to purify water that's not tasting too good from a bad well. Well, this water has been cursed because Jericho was cursed. 
But when the word of God arrives, look what he says. Here's the word of God. Elisha, verse 20, we're going to go to it. And he said, bring me a new bowl, a new cruise is King James, C-R-U-S-E. That means a tall, slender, it's like a salt shaker, a new vessel, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. So they obeyed the word of God. See this? These false prophets who see that God is using Elisha, they listen and they obey. Then he went out to the source of the water. He went out to the well and cast in the salt there and said, Thus says the Lord, I have, I have healed this water. From it there shall be no more death and bar or barrenness. Do you see what happened there? You got a question now? Yeah, so my question is this. So when he said he put salt in the water, does that mean he brought, like we're the light, we're the salt of the earth. Did he bring, did he put people in that land that are, you know what I mean, that are of God? Or like Potentially. Messengers. You know, Potentially. Like basically. He's like, training these new prophets. Okay, that's what I'm saying. If they receive it, they can be the salt. They can go out and tell others. Right. It's just like you and me. If we receive the salt, if we receive the light, if we receive it, we can give it to others. If we arise from our sleep, if we awake from our dead, he will give us light, and he makes us the salt of the earth. So that's what I was saying. I wasn't knowing if it was like a, a metaphor or, or... Probably. But here in this situation, yeah. this literally happened. And, and literally, he doesn't use enough salt or a big enough bowl or anything to really take care of all the water in the land, right? But what he does, what does he say there in verse 21? He goes to the source of the water, and he says, heal you. No, he says, thus says the Lord. See, Elisha is not the source. Elisha is not the healer. It's the word of God. He says, the Lord God, thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. See, and that's what we can have when we receive the Spirit of God. It's new water. It's the new life. We can become new creations. We're a vessel that now has new water in us because the Spirit of God comes and seals you until the day of redemption. And now you can grow fruit that's of life and not of death. And God removes the curse from your vessel when we hear the Word of God, when we receive the Word of God, which is a person. It's Jesus. He's the living Word of God. But notice he says, thus says the Lord. It's always got to be the Lord. He healed the water. It means make it whole. It, it means to mend it, to remove the curse. God's the only one that can do that. And he says that uh, there'll be no more death and barrenness from it. So when a person really has the Spirit of God, they have new water and they're a new creation. And old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, there's no more death in you, no more condemnation, and you can bear fruit. But it's fruit of godliness that he wants to bear when we let the word of God and the spirit of God dwell in us richly. Now, notice this, though. Notice what he had to do. Anybody notice that? He went to the source. See, that's why I don't like programs. That's why I don't like psychology. That's why I don't like what they don't do is they don't go to the source. See, there's a curse upon everyone ever born in water. 
That curse cannot be taken away unless you're born a second time in blood, the blood of Jesus. <clears throat> so you have to go to the source. Where do you get the source? You get it in the testimony of the word of God. And then he heals you when you believe his testimony. When you believe his authority, you got to go, you have to go to the source. Now, what happens when you go to a program? The source is not sin. What happens when you go to some, some of the worldly things and, and a doctor? The source is not sin. The source is not you were born with bad, evil water. It's always, well, let's look inside you. Let's find out. Did somebody do something to you as a child? Why are you like this? Was it the environment you lived in? Listen, Adam and Eve were in the best environment ever. And they sinned against God because they believed a lie. And they didn't obey the word of God. It, environment can't help you if you attach the word of God to it. But if not, it just doesn't matter. The environment can be perfect. And we're going to see this. You know that after, after the thousand-year millennial reign, I know that just went all the way over there, that there's going to be people born in the kingdom of God. Once you and I are actually ruling and reigning for, with Christ for a thousand years, during that time there's people that are born. And Satan is released for a small time. And in that perfect environment, perfect environment of Christ ruling from Jerusalem people will still follow the devil in a rebellion again they're going to be in a perfect environment again and still following the same way Adam and Eve did and it's going to prove once and for all to everybody that the heart is exceedingly wicked and the only way to be saved is by believing God and when you believe him you begin to let him change your heart and your desires to be like him so, the salt of his word, the salt of his witness, the salt of his life purifies you and me. It preserves you and me so that we can live for eternity. It spices up our life so that no matter how bad it is, we can have joy when things go bad. We can have the peace that surpasses all understanding. And we can tell other people about Jesus even when we're in the midst of chaos. I remember my wife was in the hospital, and you might hear me talk about this a lot because that was a crazy time for me in my life and for my wife and my family. But the greatest thing was is we had the foundation laid, and we knew Jesus was, was there, and we knew there was angels everywhere ministering, and we're watching people walking through the hospital that, that may not have coded three times, but you know what? We still knew that we were supposed to minister to them and talk to them and tell them about Jesus. And my wife is, is, is trying to lead her nurses and her janitor. And the lady that cleaned our room became one of our best friends at that time. And we've been to their house because we know we have to keep everything about Jesus even when your world looks like it's falling apart. It's not falling apart. It's coming together. It's, it's building your faith. It's helping you to stand on the foundation of the word of God. And it proves whether you have faith or not. Listen, do you know that God, oh boy, this is a, maybe I better hold that off. Um, God wants you to know. God wants you to know things. He says, search out and come to know me and know the knowledge of me. But you know what he wants you to know more? He wants you to know yourself. 
If you read Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, he says, These 40 years that you were in the wilderness was to test you and to try you. Why? That you might know your own heart, whether you would obey the word of God. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus actually uses this verse in fighting with the devil. But what does he want you to know? He already knows what's in your heart. He's not mad. He's not disappointed. He loves you. And what does he do? He allows affliction. He allows hardship. He allows things to come so that you would know your heart and you would confess it to him and say, Lord, that is my heart. I really do want to run off and do that. I really do look at that. I really do like that. I really am a sinner. And then you humble yourself and allow his spirit, his clean water to bring fruit and to change your heart. But when you stay in your pride and you say, ah, it's okay, I can be who I am. I don't have to change. I can live the way I want. I can be who I am. You're following the false prophets who hear the word, who share the word, but they never obey the word and believe the word. And that's the problem that's always going to be there because that's the devil that sets up the synagogues of Satan. Was that Deuteronomy 2? Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. Great chapter. Great chapter. So he healed the water. But he didn't just heal the waters. He said, listen, from it there shall be no more death or barrenness ever. So you're saved from death, but you're saved to bear fruit, not to be barren. And so many in the church today have no fruit. All they do is go, I got fire insurance, now I'm going to run back to the world. You're saved to bear fruit. You're saved to have a relationship with God and go and tell others about this God who would heal the waters, who would remove the curse, who would fill you to overflowing. And look what it says in 22. So the water remains healed to this day, according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. But really, he give, look, he gave Elisha credit for it. The Holy Spirit did in that text. But Elisha gave God credit for it. Thus says the Lord. And anytime you go out, you want to go out in the power and the strength and the might of the Lord. Not in your own strength. You don't go tell people, hey, go to church. You go out and tell them the truth of the oracles of God. And then you let the Spirit of God deal with them. Then he went up. Let's just finish this chapter. I know it's late. I'm sorry. Then he went up from there. So he left Jericho. After healing from the curse, he went up to Bethel. You know what Bethel means? House of God. House of God. So he left after healing the curse. Where did Jesus go? He went and sat at the throne room, the house of God. Yeah. He's waiting for the children of God to follow God, and we're going to be there soon. Anyway, so that's what the Word of God did. So you go up to Bethel, and as he was going up the road, guess what? As Jesus was going, as Jesus was healing, as Jesus was giving people new life, some people were mocking him. Some people were, watch this, this is great stuff. The, the New Testament is all over the Old Testament. And I always say that you keep your New Testament theology correct by studying the Old Testament because God doesn't change. Watch this. He's going up to Bethel, and as he's on the road, the highway to Bethel, some youths, and the King James says some young children, but it's a word that can mean a child from 12 up to 30. 
lads came from the city. They came out of Bethel and mocked him. Listen, they, they're, they're trying to mock him and ridicule him. The word mock means to disparage him, to ridicule, to scoff and scorn him. Well, what, what were they doing, Greg? And said to him, go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. Now, don't be laughing in my head. God put every one of them hairs there. And my wife pulled them all out. Oh, I'm sorry. Listen. Listen. Bald head could be a couple things. He could have shaved his head in dedication to God. They would burn their hair to God. Hair was an important thing. Paul did a hair sacrifice when he was even after he was saved. But he could have just cut a spot there, or he could have been going bald. But that's not even the important thing. What is going on here? Go up, go up. What happened? Everybody's talking about what? Elisha is now the word of God. Elisha is now the prophet of God. Why? Because he said Elijah went up in a chariot of fire that Elijah went up. So they're mocking him and going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Elijah went up. You go up, bald head. You go up, bald head. And they're, they're mocking the thought that God would take the church home. Those scorners are here today. Look at Jude chapter, or verse 18. There's only one chapter. Jude, it's the book right before Revelation. I could take you to Peter. I'm just going to take you to Jude, verse 18. And then you can study it later yourself. There are three Johns and then Jude. 18 says this. But you, beloved, remember, or excuse me, start in 17. But you, beloved, little born again ones, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter also mentions the holy prophets. When he talks, Jude, one. Jude, yeah, there's only one chapter. So Jude 17, now 18. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time. And what, what do mockers do? They walk according to their own ungodly desires, their own ungodly lust. And it says these are sensual persons. We get the word psychology from that. Sensual persons, earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom, who cause divisions, not having the spirit. If anyone has not the spirit, they are not God's. They're twice dead. See, if you're born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you only die once. You give up this physical body and you go to be with the Lord, you only die once. But if you don't give your life to Christ and it covered in the blood, you're going to die twice. You'll die a physical death and then an eternal death. Cast away into hell. But he says, what do you do? Listen, mockers are coming. Mockers are here today. They're going to be mocking the church. They're actually attacking the church right now. That's their attack. I don't know that you guys know this, but persecution's coming. Look what he says. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Praying in the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to be prudent, to be wise. To even be saved. Keep yourself in the love of God. Now this means in the place of where God would be able to take care of you. Keep yourself in that love. Stay in the word of God. Stay in the presence of God. Confess your sin. Learn to obey God and walk circumspectly. Looking. Where's my eyes going to be looking? For the mercy 
of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And then he says, on some have compassion, others save with fear, hating, making a distinction, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. But let's go back. The mockers are here. Mockers have always been here. Remember in, remember in Noah's day there was mockers? Because yes. it had never rained. And here Noah's making a boat, a vessel to save people. He makes it for 120 years. He's building this ark. And all the people are mocking him. And see, we're in the days of Noah again. And there's a vessel that's been prepared. It's Jesus the Christ. The Son of God. But mockers will say, come on. What do they say? There's no God. It's evolution. Come on. And they start to tell you all these lies. Because they want you to believe what they say and not what God has said. They want to tease and mock and scorn and say, go up then. If God's going to take the church, go up. But I love, I love that one of my favorite teachers, Adrian Rogers, who's been with the Lord for maybe 20 years now, for quite some time, he tells of the young lad running home. Dad, dad, dad. He runs home. Dad, dad, dad. He's like, oh, slow down, son. Slow down, son. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on? He goes, dad. Calm down, son. He goes, Noah. He goes, oh, yeah, I know. I ran home to my dad that way, too. And Noah, he's building a boat, right? And God's going to punish the world, right? And it's going to rain, right? What is rain? See, at that time, the earth was only watered by four rivers that came out of the garden. It was only watered by the mist where it was under like a canopy. And it had never rained. And then eight people go into the boat and the only door is closed. Jesus is that door. And that vessel is his salvation. And eight is the number of new beginnings. And God destroys the whole world with a flood. And then he promised he would never do it again. That this time he's going to do it with fire. And the same fire, God's a consuming fire. You can let it purify your heart and learn to obey him. Or you can let it harden your heart. And when you hear the truth, you ignore it and you never follow him. And when it hardens your heart, one day, it's going to be a mocker's heart. There's the helicopter. That's sad. Mm -hmm. Father, we pray for whoever that is that's going to be lifeline. Pour out your spirit. Give the doctors wisdom, understanding, knowledge beyond their years. And we just pray for your mercy and grace and that people would come to salvation through your son, Jesus. Amen. That is a medevac helicopter. I can't tell by the sound. So. I'm wondering if the it's a hospital right there, yeah. So we know it's a, yeah. So now back in our text, they're mocking him. They're saying, go up, go up, you bald head. Be careful when you make fun of bald-headed people. I did, now I'm bald-headed. I used to call him a five-head and a four-head. If your hair gets back any further, it's going to be a neckline instead of a hairline. I had all the good jokes. Be careful. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. 24. So he, Elisha, turned around and looked at them. You remember when Peter be betrayed, or excuse me, Peter uh, denied Christ? 
And he turned and looked at Peter, and Peter looked in his eyes. That reminds me of that. And he pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Now, he just healed a curse. He just healed a curse up here in Jericho in the water. He's letting people have a chance to bear fruit. But if you mock him and you reject him and you don't receive him, and you're the next generation of the church, then you have the curse back upon you for ignoring the word of God. And you don't know what the, you don't know what's going to happen. God can do anything if you reject the truth. He can do anything. See, Elisha didn't do this. God is salvation. He takes the curse. You can, you can live for him. But look what happens. And I don't know why it's two female bears. God just used them to come out and kill 42 of the youths. Why 42? Was there 10 of them that got away? I mean, I don't know. Why was it female bears? God gets to choose the punishment. When you mock his word, when you live anyway, you reap the whirlwind. Instead of being taken in a whirlwind like Elijah was, you reap the whirlwind. And God has got his arms out, giving you love. He wants to give you and take you and change you and make you a new creation. And if you reject it and mock it and scorn him, then you reap all the power of that whirlwind. And it's a horrible thing, terrible thing, to fall into the hands of the living God. If you fall on that rock, Jesus, it'll change your life. But if you don't fall on it, it will fall on you and crush you, the Bible tells us. So he loves you with a never-ending love. And he doesn't want to exercise that curse. He came and died and poured out his blood to remove the curse so that death would no longer have a sting and so that you could grow fruit. And that fruit of righteousness is what the Bible tells us in Romans that he is conforming us into his image. Just like he did in the garden. He made man in his image. And he wants our spirit to decide truth in the word of God and even to say no to our emotions, our mind, will, and emotion. When we think, well, let's go find the body. Let's go find the body because every time somebody dies, there's always a body. We say, nope, God took him. Don't have to go look. You know what? When the graves pop open in the rapture, there's going to be a lot of people out investigating why those graves opened up. There's going to be a lot of people out investigating. And it's getting ready to happen. When the Thessalonians were freaking out because their loved ones were dying, Paul said to them, I do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. That's what happens when you know Jesus. It's a metaphor. You go to sleep, you wake in the arms of God. For the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall meet the Lord in the air, and thus will be with him always. And we are to encourage one another with these words. Listen, he's getting ready to snatch out his bride, take her to the wedding supper of the Lamb, and consummate the wedding, and then we'll be with him forever. The question is, have you arisen, or are you awake from your sleep? Have you awoken from death? So that Christ can give you life. If you have, see then that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time. For the days are evil. Listen. 
The prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Are you prudent or simple? Because God gives us wisdom to see evil and to prepare for it. It's coming quickly. Get your heart ready. Confess your sin. Get into the word, prayer, and fellowship and let God do his perfect will with you. He'll tell others through you if you will surrender to that relationship. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for calling us out of darkness. Thank you for taking the curse and giving us good water of your spirit so that we can be fruitful in your kingdom for your glory for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The Lord bless you.